Hello, White Sox fans, and welcome into a winning edition of Sox on Tap. I'm Johnny Knight, joined tonight by my guy, Andrew Kinsler. It has been so long since we have been able to get on the mic together. We are excited to do it and talk about an 11-6 White Sox winner tonight. Andrew, how are you doing, my friend? Johnny, I'm doing great. It is great to be back on here with you. It's been quite some time since I've done one of these with you. So I was on earlier this week with Tony talking about a brutal Twins lost, but hey, we had a very, very good win against the Royals tonight, so I feel pretty great. Yeah, uh, n- a nice bounce-back win, uh, I would say for sure, especially in-, in the manner, the ugly manner, in-, in which they lost the series finale against the Twins on Wednesday night, Andrew. Um, it-, it is good here to be talking about a win with you. But before we get into any of this, please make sure you go to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs, following us on Twitter, at SoxOnTap and at ontapsportsnet. So, Andrew, like I mentioned, 11-6 winner tonight for the White Sox. A uh, couple of pairs of crooked numbers in this one. Uh, Dylan Cease going uh, five innings here in this contest. Um, you've got a lot of observations. I've got some observations to point out here. But um, first of all, with initial thoughts, hit me with uh, what stood out to you most, uh, first and foremost, from this game. Well, yeah, there was a lot that happened in this game, and there will be plenty that will unfold here. But honestly, anytime you put up a five spot in one inning against any team, that's great. When you do it twice in one game, that's even better. So I don't care who the team is. I don't care who's pitching. If you do that twice in one ball game, that looks good. And especially after the rough end to the series that we had against the Twins, that was great. So the bats really did look a lot more promising. We had quite a few extra base hits here and quite a lot of production up and down the board here. So, for instance, Tim Anderson went three for four with two RBIs. He had that one homer. Um, Edwin Encarnacion hit a homer, which was an absolute bomb. Uh, we like to kind of say that, you know, he almost saves that for some of the crappier teams, but Hey, he showed it tonight. That was his only hit, but, uh, it was an absolute bomb. And then Abreu went two for five with three RBIs and Luis Robert hit an absolute bomb. Uh, it was over 450 feet. Yeah, that Luis looked great. Robert rockets See, right there. Yeah. See, I can't roll my R's. I'm not going to even try it right now. But um, yeah, you know, yeah. the thing is, t- Tony and Buzz are better at it than I am. So I usually reserve that for them when we're all on or if it's a combination of me and Buzz or me and Tony. But I, I feel like I had to pick up the slack here. Uh, since yeah, because I, 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 I had to grow into it a little bit, too. But yes, you were right. That was an absolute freaking rocket shot from Luis Robert. I, I don't know if it's landed yet. Maybe it's landed uh, somewhere in outer space uh, by this point on the post game, it um, actually landed in the studio. Actually, Chuck Garfine had it in his hand. So, uh, oh, great, yeah. excellent. That's a nice roll on it for sure. Yeah, yeah, no, no, for sure. And we'll we'll get into a bunch of this stuff. You know, you were mentioning some of the numbers there, but for me, it's uh, you know, batting around is cool and tough in one inning. You know, when you get all nine hitters up to the plate, um, but doing it twice that is extremely cool and tough. That, that's just you know, you just double it, uh, double the cool and tough levels here uh, for the White Sox tonight. Uh, putting up double digit runs, another category that is just absolutely cool and tough. Um, and I love to see it. I know it's a shittier team, uh, and I know me and Tony had talked a lot about. Uh, you know, beating up on bad teams and then the great teams will beat the other uh, good teams that they have to beat that are at the top. But hey, um, one thing that we have also preached here on the show is taking care of the teams that you're supposed to. And the Royals are a team that the White Sox absolutely should take care of. And luckily they did it in the series opener tonight. But we're going to need that to persist all throughout this weekend because this is a four game set, Andrew. 
Absolutely, yeah. And that is a great point that you said. Honestly, if you look at how things roll with a typical MLB schedule, you would like to be about 500 against the other teams that are above 500. And then you want to have a really great record against the teams that are, you know, some of the bottom feeders like the Royals, the Tigers, the Pirates, such as that. Um, so in a normal season, to be honest, the only teams above 500 that we're really facing that are really high quality so far, it's been the twins, the Indians, and then maybe an argument for the Cubs. So we just don't have those opportunities to maybe play some of those teams that are closer to 500, maybe a fringe wildcard team. Um, if you look at the teams in the AL central, they've all been pretty good this year and they've all shown flashes. Even teams like the Tigers and the Royals have gone on streaks where they've won a lot of games, especially the Tigers. They had actually started out this year pretty good. So you really can't be too mad about losing games against the twins and the Indians, as long as you're taking care of these games, because either way, if you do take care of those, you're going to end up in the playoffs with this expanded playoff setup, which I would hope for more. And I want us to win the division and I want us to beat up on these teams. But the unfortunate reality is we still have a few holes here in this lineup and just overall with the team as a whole, to where that might not be a realistic expectation this year. So hopefully we do take care of that in the offseason. But for right now, this is okay. Like I said last night um, in a tweet that I had, there's, there's just a lot of ups and downs with these teams. But the ups make it way worth it just because the ups are a lot of fun. And when you yeah. bet around twice in two separate innings, that's sure a heck of a lot of fun. Yeah, Andrew, I like that you bring up the ups and downs, and especially me and Tony had a very 2019-esque show last night when we were getting all bitchy and mad about what was going on in an 8-1 you know, beat down at the hands of the Twins, and we're fumbling the ball all around the field and all that. And Like I said, felt like a 2019 show, felt like a 2019 performance from the White Sox. Felt going back to 2018, that's what it felt like, a 100-loss season uh, sort of kind of uh, vibe that we got there. But just one of the points that we had had um, was that you know, you, you want to get to that upper echelon, and we're, we're impatient here as fans. We, we just want to see it now, and they've shown flashes. I think that was the thing that I had said last night. They show flashes that they can do it, so you want to see them put it together consistently. But like you had mentioned, there are holes here um, that, that do need to be addressed, and obviously they did not do much at trade deadline. Uh, Jared Dyson, if you want to call that a trade deadline acquisition, that was about the extent of it there. So they're going to roll with what they have here. Um, but like I would said, um, good to see it uh, in action tonight. Uh, get the highs, get the ups, uh, get the top echelon of this because it is so much more fun than a 2019 win. What was the up? Uh, seeing Eloy hit a bomb onto the fan deck, which don't get me wrong, is great. And I would love to see that too in, in a dominant season um, in the future. But th that was about like the high point of it. Whereas now we get two crooked number, you know, five run innings uh, in a game like tonight. And like you said, it just makes it so much more worth it when you're able to witness the ups here. So let's get into a little bit of the box score breakdown here. We've had our initial thoughts out of the way. So um, you had mentioned some of these contributors here tonight. Uh, Timmy, three, four, he loves beating up on the Royals, Andrew. Loves it, especially against those lefties. So there was a graphic where it showed his slugging percentage this year against lefties and I think it was over a thousand which um don't quote me on that but that's pretty ridiculous that's very much up there so you do like to see that out of him especially from the top of the order i mean he's just continuing the same exact form that he had from last year he still looks great he's still getting on base he's still hitting for contact and 
he's added a little bit more to the power. So he didn't have as much power last year other than the 18 mm-hmm. or so homers that he hit. But I think Jason Benetti mentioned this on the air tonight. Um, his slugging percentage is close to the top 10 in either the league or the AL, which that's pretty great, especially from the shortstop position, which typically isn't very power producing. So that looked great. And then another player that we didn't mention earlier was Yasmani Grandal. So he went two for three with two singles and had two walks. So um, we keep kind of waiting for him to just fully break out and to see everything that he has to offer for this team, which on the whole, his numbers aren't bad. You'd like his batting average to be a little bit higher, but he's still getting on base at a very good clip. And his OPS is about 760, which that's close to league average. It's like right around that. So if he continues to get going, that would be a huge Mm -hmm. plus. Um, The only real negative I see with this lineup was Yohan Mankata going 0 for 3. So he did have one RBI and a walk, but um, he still just doesn't look super great as he's coming yeah. back from that injury. Um, this honestly wouldn't be a bad situation for me to see him to get some more rest, um, especially going into tomorrow. I wouldn't hate to see Mendick play third and then put back in Magical at second base after he had the off day tonight. Yeah, yeah, I know for sure. And that, that is a concern. It has been a buzzing topic around White Sox Twitter. And everyone knows. You can just see it in, in his play and his demeanor. Yohan Makata is not right right now. And he had himself had come out and said today that um, the body just does not feel the same uh, after COVID-19. So it is, you know, just to take a step back and, you know, we're all locked into a baseball season. It's great that you and me are here breaking down a White Sox game here uh, in early September. But at the same time, you got to remember that there is a global pandemic going on. And Yohan Mankata was one of the individuals affected by that. And those effects are still long lasting um, even into the season when he had it in what, um, early, mid-July, uh, when they right. were out reporting for um, that summer camp uh, back in Chicago. So uh, just something to keep in mind there. But like you said, yeah, that as the only member of the lineup without a hit uh, tonight. But when that that's the, uh, you know, the production that you're getting though, I think you'll take that uh, any day of the week. If every single other person is at least uh, is striking in the hit column, at least once here, um, one guy that uh, only had one here, but it was absolutely mammoth shot. You'd mentioned a little earlier. It was Luis Robert just absolutely smoked, absolutely crushed. And it just gives you so many vibes that I think Frank Thomas has talked about. Now I don't want to put the comparisons up there right now because Mike Trout could retire today and be a hall of famer, but he likes to go and say it and says, you know, you're, you're looking at someone that's, like the next Mike Trout and a home run like tonight it really makes you believe that absolutely yeah pretty much all of the analysts or all the people that you know are on tv within the MLB do kind of believe that he has that kind of capabilities and there are flashes of that and tonight was just that granted it was only one hit but it was a it was a complete mammoth hit and if you get the MLB social media to talk about the White Sox, I think you're doing something good because that really wouldn't happen in other years. But um, he's really put the league on notice and has shown us as a legit contender. So that was really good. And then one other point I'd like to make about this lineup, um, Adam Engel. I mean, he just continues to do well against lefties, especially if he's your nine-hole hitter, eight or nine hitter, wherever you put him in. Um, I mean, he just gets hits against lefties. Granted, you really can't face him against righties. Um, He's still not very good at that. But, I mean, 
he's been continuing to crush lefties, and especially with the struggles we've had of Nomar Mazzara, I think it's a no-brainer decision to keep putting Engel out there against lefties as opposed to Mazzara. Yeah, words, w- words we never thought we'd say, but at the same time, never. we also think now, uh, you know, we're just thinking the Adam Engel line of things um, when we were talking about 2017, 2018, uh, rough rebuilding teams when we saw a lot of it. And it's like, oh, I don't want to see this guy when we're actually good. But then you get to a situation like this and you'll, uh, excuse me, Nomar Mazzara is not producing. And it's like, well, from the beginning, we kind of also thought that we, at least I know you and me and the majority of the Sox and Tap crew was never very excited about that signing in the first place. Um, you kind of expected that a platoon was going to be needed, um, and this may be the guy to just do it uh, for him there. Absolutely, and I think I just hope that this is a wake-up call for the front office because there's a handful of potential corner outfield guys that we missed out on last offseason who signed somewhat long-term deals, but they have potential opt-outs after this year who have been performing well, so... Not going to name specific names, but Marcelo Zuna and a Nicholas Castellanos. They've been pretty. They've been pretty darn good so far. So they might want to opt out and see what the market has to offer for them. You would hope that our front office won't miss two opportunities to sign a guy like that, especially considering that we took a chance on the Mazzara experiment, and at least thus far, it just hasn't worked out. So. You, you you would hope that they don't pass up on it, but I am not going to hold my breath. Um, that's where I, I won't either. my stance is at this point. I won't either, but there will be a plethora of potential players out there, and you would like to see us go after one of those guys, if not one of them, maybe a Jock Peterson or a Michael Brantley type. I love Michael Brantley. I wanted us to sign him before he signed with the Astros. Mm-hmm. Um you could stick him in right field, potentially play some DH for you as well, considering, you know, how things are going. We may not bring back Edwin Encarnacion, and that all depends on the development of Andrew Vaughn as well. I think a full season being missed of minor league play for him is somewhat of a factor, but um, that's all for next offseason, but at least we're able to enjoy this good win tonight and not think too much about that until the last out of the White Sox season occurs hopefully later on in the year. Um, so we'll hope for that. Yeah, hopefully sometime into uh, you know October here. That's something that we yeah. have never been able to say on a Sox on tap. Granted, we are um, just you know in our second season here, but it um, seems like as White Sox fans, it's been a while uh, since we've been playing meaningful baseball uh, into this late of the season. Usually at this point of the year, we're talking about September call-ups. I mean, obviously, granted, COVID has augmented um, the layout of the whole schedule here, but still um, nice that we're talking about competitive White Sox baseball here. Uh, we've touched a lot on the offense. Um, just my one last thought on this because I know you got some thoughts on the pitching and I'm going to let you get to that. Um, obviously we've talked a bunch about the bombs and Edwin and uh, Luis Robert hitting him to the moon. You got uh, Bray with a real nice gap shot that ended up scoring two um, in that um, second inning, that big uh, first uh, crooked number there, the five spot in the second inning. Um, but I also enjoyed uh, seeing some walks that led to runs. You know, Tim Anderson being patient, uh, being able to take a walk. Obviously, Osmani Grandal took two tonight. But that was a point that uh, Tony harped on last night. Um, you know, when the offense wasn't going, I believe he only had four hits. Yeah, four hits at Minnesota last night. And, and, you know, what's one thing that you can help yourselves with if the bats aren't extremely hot like they had been on that tear uh, between the, you know, 
15th of uh, August and through like the 1st of September, um, take walks. And that was one thing that I liked, even in a game of power. Uh, that's what this essentially was with two very explosive innings. You can still see them get it done uh, in a couple other ways there. So um, it was happy to see that. Um, j- just my last thoughts on the offense there. But I know you have some thoughts on the pitching, and it's easy to just go uh, all in on the offense here. But I, I want to hear your thoughts because you sent me some very good observations here uh, about the pitching. So I will let you expand upon those. Absolutely. Yeah. So those are great points that you had on the walks. I'd say so we had five total walks as a team tonight. I think anytime you do that, you're in a pretty good position to win some ball games, especially if. Your bats are working to the magnitude that they were tonight, and you're able to get those extra base hits and just bring those guys along. So, yeah, we'll talk about Dylan Cease here a little bit. So he went five-plus, and um, the one thing that really sticks out to me was only one strikeout against this Royals lineup. He has the great stuff, the really great put-away stuff. You'd like to see more strikeouts from him, but... Either way, he did hold the Royals to, at one point when he left, I believe it was one or two, and then when Foster came in, a few more runs came in. So he ended up giving up three runs on the night. Overall, his whole stat line was five innings pitched, four hits, three earned runs, two walks, one strikeout, and one home run given up. The one thing I will say about him, overall not bad, but against a team like the Royals, you're able to kind of get away with that. Um, if he had pretty similar stuff against a team like the Twins or whoever we may face moving forward in the playoffs, hopefully, um, that might not cut it. That, Yep, definitely. Those, those three runs given up might turn into six. Um, and a big factor with, with that would be his control. So not necessarily his control where he's walking guys. He walked two, but his control within the strike zone. So... You can be wild by throwing balls, but you could also be wild within the strike zone. And that's exactly what happened on that home run that he surrendered in the first inning to Hunter Dozier. Um, I mean, it was a complete bomb, and it was just a pitch right down the middle. And especially, you know, I don't care what team you are on. If you're hitting second on an MLB team, or honestly for that like matter, Really, any spot in the lineup, if you get a fastball right, right down, down the middle, the <laughs> yep, and you know it's coming, which it was at a count where you might expect a fastball. Guys aren't really going to miss that. It might not always be a home run, but it's going to be hit very, very hard. Sometimes you can get lucky and it could be right at someone, but uh, that was not the case. It was It was just hit deep into the bleachers, so... We've seen some pretty good stuff out of Cease this year. Granted, times it's been rocky, and if you look at some of the peripherals, his whip's been a little bit high. He's gotten out of some jams. But moving forward, you want Cease to improve upon that. But overall, so far, I've enjoyed what I've seen out of him this year. Yeah, and it's still development, too, for him. Think about it. It was only like a half season last year when he got called up on the 3rd of July. I believe you were at that game last year when he made his MLB debut as part of that. Yeah, like doubleheader. Uh, Yeah, that doubleheader. So it it is still early, and you you don't want to make excuses here because we do want to be competitive down the stretch here, and he is going to be a piece for that. Um, But at the same time, these starts here, uh, especially in a condensed season like this, I think it's still important to remember. As much as we're not silver linings guys here um, at Sox on tap, and I mean, he got the result, so he, he did 
and end up picking up the win. That's cool and tough. But, um, you know, you, you got to remember that there is still a process going on uh, with such a young pitcher there. And the stuff is just, um, you know, uh, electric enough to the point to where um, as soon as it is all figured out from a command standpoint, um, he, he is going to be um, a very effective starter in this rotation. I don't know if I would go and pin him up a two as of right now, but, it, you know, looking long term, you, you can definitely see him as a very, very solid three. Uh, I think that is a realistic expectation as of right now. Uh, but one comment that I just had to have as you were talking about that home run, uh, it brought it back to my memory. Uh, Tony, our guy Tony on tap tweeted during it uh, right after he gave that up because at the time, White Sox were trailing after that home run that you were talking about where he uh, just laid it right down the cock. Um, and it was Dylan Cease in the first inning home run, a children's book narrated by Donald Cooper. Uh, I thought that was hilarious. That was a great tweet. So an early shout out within this. I know we'll get to my final shout outs towards the end of this one. Uh, but I thought that was hilarious. Uh, a good way to kind of summarize that because it always seems like, uh, especially last year, me and Tony were at so many games where Cease was just getting, you know, clobbered early and giving up early inning home runs. And it just feels like you were sunk uh, early on. Luckily, the offense is different this year uh, and they can make up uh, ground if any of those uh, happen on most nights. So, um that's about it on Cease here. You got any thoughts on the rest of the bullpen here? I thought it was interesting that uh, Matt Foster um, get, gets touched. It seems like he was pretty much untouchable for a while, but, you know, I guess all good things do come to an end. And even then, you know, you're still sitting after tonight. Granted, uh, a couple of those runs go to Cease, but he was the one that let up the hit that let those in. Uh, ERA still at 159. Not too much you can complain about there, especially with him being, what, a 20th round draft pick, a uh, real diamond in the rough type of prospect that you didn't even expect uh, to be part of this mix if you we were talking about this team back in January. February. I uh, wouldn't have expected that. So uh, I can give Matt Foster a break there. And I see Evan Marshall come in and have a clean inning um, and two strikeouts in this one. Bernardo Flores made his debut. I know you got some comments on that. And then Steve Ciszek shaky. So I will let you take it home for the rest of the bullpen before we get into the next game. Absolutely. Yeah. And I just want to have one more point on Cease. So pretty much like you said, the rough first inning, that's sometimes been the story on him. And he's able to get out of it a, a lot of times. I think one factor with this in particular tonight was that he had a pretty high pitch count in the first inning, which with how high our bullpen usage has been over the past few games, um, you probably would like to see him get through six. But um, I guess considering the circumstances and the trouble he, he kind of got himself into once he came back out for that six and was pulled, um, you can kind of go with that, but you would like to see a little bit more, especially considering that we'll have Dane Dunning going tomorrow, and he's historically kind of been on a pitch count so far. But mm-hmm. either way, that is what it is. Um, so, yeah, as you mentioned, the, the rest of the bullpen looked okay. As you said, Matt Foster, one run. You can live with that considering the outcome of the game overall, and he's been oh, he's great been this so year. far, yeah. He's been great. He's been great. He's been a complete anchor for this bullpen, and you love to see that out of a guy that we really didn't expect coming into this season. So um, I knew a little bit about him, but I didn't expect him to perform to the caliber that he is. So that is really great. Um, As you mentioned, Bernardo Flores made his MLB debut. So if you look at the stat line, you know, he gave up two runs over one inning. But overall, I think... I thought his stuff looked good. I, I I think his stuff can play at a major league level overall. But um, what really led to that was he had a two-strike count, and then 
there was a bloop single over short that close play. Timmy was close to making the catch. Um, some circumstances he may make that catch, but that did lead up lead to one of the runs. So he ended up giving up two there, but for his MLB debut, he's got to be happy with it. He didn't give up a loss or anything. So that works. And then as you mentioned, Steve Ciszek. So when I did the show, with Tony a few nights ago, he came in when it was a one-run deficit against the Twins, and he pitched one inning, and he struck out three Twins batters. Uh, tonight, he kind of made us sweat this game out a little bit. Uh, it was a little bit entertaining to close things out. So he had two walks and started one hit. So the bases were loaded and a potential third out, which depending on who you ask, could have been safer out. The original call on the play was out. It was a ground ball to the left side. And it was kind of a bang-bang play. I think Steve Steve Sonestead said if the original call was safe, they might have kept it as safe. Mm -hmm. But there was no conclusive evidence to overturn it, so it ended up as a White Sox winner. But if that call gets overturned, you have yourselves a little bit of a sticky situation here. So that would have been 11-7 Royals with the tying run coming to bat in the bottom of the ninth there. So that got a little bit scary. And it's just kind of been the story we've had so far with Steve Ciszek. So overall in his career, I mean, he's been great. He's been really great. And that's the reason why we signed him, because we expected him to be a guy that would pitch in high level situations and after the game he had against the twins, you would hope that maybe some things would get figured out and he'd be able to move forward from that. But to really force the hand here and kind of make you sweat this out against the Royals, especially with two walks and a high pitch count, you really don't like to see that. Yeah, no, no, not at all. And I will just go back to one thing. I think it's uh, it's like a broken record to anyone who listens to Sox on Tap regularly. Uh, fuck Joe Madden and for his overuse of Steve Ciszek in past years. And you know what? The next guy that gets Jimmy Cordero, the next team, the next fan base, I hope they're saying fuck Ricky Renteria for overusing him. Uh, I'm surprised we didn't throw Cordero that's, tonight. That's, that's exactly like it. Yeah, in a row. <laughs> surprising not to see him in this column. I was you know, surprised uh, Ricky didn't throw him out there for three or some stupid shit like that. Uh, seems like that's been the trend as of late but um yeah no i just go back to that but yeah all all good points that you made there yeah uh steve c Sheck still don't trust him in high leverage situations he goes and has a uh, clean outing and you think it's like okay yeah this might be the one that gets him back on track and then he goes out and has dog shit one like this um against a much lesser opponent so um tough to see at the end there but hey uh end result is all that matters here winning is cool and tough that is socks on tap rule number one white Sox win 11 to 6 series opener here on thursday september 3rd against the kansas city royals let's move it in to Friday night's preview. Um, it, it is going to be uh, same t- uh, start time uh, on Friday night, 7.05 p.m. Uh, the pitching matchup will be Dane Dunning versus Brady Singer. A couple of uh, young, talented arms here. Uh, Dunning, no record on the year, 2.89 ERA, 14 strikeouts and in nine inni- 9.1 innings pitch, excuse me. Um, 
He went five innings of hitless ball. Uh, obviously, no earned runs, one walk, seven strikeouts. Excellent outing against those same Royals uh, this past Sunday, back when they were on the south side. Brady Singer uh, for the Kansas City Royals. He's one and three on the year, 5-19 ERA, 31 strikeouts over 34 and two-thirds innings pitch. Uh, last time out, it was against the Sox, but it was on the Saturday game, which the Royals ended up winning. Uh, it was five-inning performance, five hits, three earned runs. Uh Two walks, four strikeouts. Um, so that kind of sets the stage for this Friday night matchup. Uh, weather won't be a problem. We don't need to bring Tony Twist in here at all. No chance of precipitation. It'll be around 80 degrees at first pitch, uh, dwindling down into the mid-70s throughout the game. Uh, that's about it to set you stage for the game here. But I want to get your thoughts um, what they can do a little bit better going forward here. Uh, what they need to build on, um, just keys to the game. Any thoughts that you may have on this Friday night matchup uh, before we get into Picks click and close this thing down, Andrew. Yeah, so overall, this is a really cool pitching matchup to watch. It'll be some must-watch TV. So actually, both these guys went to the University of Florida, which I think at one point they might have been teammates at the same time. So I think that's pretty cool. I would compare it to the pitching matchup we had a few weeks ago when Dane Dunning made his MLB debut against the Tigers when Casey Mize also made his MLB debut against the Tigers. So two really young pro- young and very, very promising arms here. Um, so far on the year, Dane Dunning has had far more success than Brady Singer. So um, when we saw Singer in the last time that we faced him, his stuff looked good overall. He still gave up three runs over five innings. Um, but He's young, and he has good stuff, so I'm excited to watch that. And overall, though, I hope our bats continue this hot streak that we had tonight, and we'll get into that. Yeah, just keep hitting the ball out of the fucking ballpark, man. Um, that's it, it's an easy, surefire run. I think Tony and I have talked about that on episodes past of Socks on Tap, but man, you can do that. Uh, you can elevate it. You can obviously see how much the ball was flying, even in early innings. I think Dylan sees every single out for the first, like, inning and a half uh, was like everything was in the air uh, pretty close looking like it was getting to the track and then obviously a couple of them exiting Cease gave up one and then Edwin uh, ends up coming up and hitting a bomb uh, in the top of the second to get the White Sox rolling uh, in this one tonight feel like the weather's going to be very similar uh, on this Friday night affair so get the ball in the air get the ball out of the fucking ballpark uh, that's what I'm looking forward to in this one uh, hit some more dingers go be explosive and give yourselves that confidence when you go forward uh, in face I know you're going to have another you know you know, bad team, kind of the reverse flip-flop schedule here, and you're going to go and visit the Pirates for two in the middle uh, of the week coming up here. But you get those bats rolling as much as you possibly can. Maybe you get a guy like Edwin Encarnacion getting hot. Um, maybe you get Eloy Jimenez back on a hot streak because that guy, uh, he was my pick to click tonight, and I know he did have a hit, but um, it did not put one out um, as I had kind of predicted on last night's episode. So uh, I would like to see that going forward, but I don't know if I'm going to go with him for my pick to click. I'm going to contemplate over that while you give me yours. So I'm going to go with Nick Madrigal. So he's had quite a few hits this year. They've all been singles. He likes to do it in KC too, doesn't he? Yeah. Great game there. Yeah, absolutely. I think my prediction for tomorrow will be that he gets his first extra base hit of his MLB career. So I think this will be a good matchup for him. Hopefully he can get a pitch that he can just kind of run into, especially like you said, the conditions that we saw tonight within Kansas City. I'll be pretty similar tomorrow. And 
I think that he has a chance to run into one. Probably not going to be a homer, but I think I could see his first extra base hit happening tomorrow. So he's going to be my pick to click. What about you? Yeah, I mean, that, that would be huge to see. Finally see a little bit of gap-to-gap power um, uh, from Nick Madrigal. I know it's not going to be consistent, but that is something that you want to see. So outfields don't start shifting him extremely uh, so much to take away those little blue pits there. Um, yeah, I, I like that. Um, I'm going to go with the straw that stirs a drink for the Chicago White Sox. Mr. Tim Anderson, I know he put one out tonight. He loves playing against these Royals. He loves pip and bat flips. He had this, like, really kind of – it was weird, but it was still cool because he kind of like dropped it, but still like kind of flipped it in a way when he hit his home run tonight. I think he just has an extra swagger, a little extra motivation. Um, it is only three at bats, but he is uh, hitting 667 uh, against Mr. Singer um, in his career. So uh, I will go with Mr. Tim Anderson. I did not have a night. I had Eloy tonight. So um, I will go with Anderson for uh, Friday's game. Um, that about does it for the show. I do have one shout out before we close this out, though. Uh, I have to give a big shout out to the Sockside Boys on Twitter at Sockside Boys. Um, they made the Tim Anderson camera meme. Uh, the White Sox had posted a picture back when they were still in Minnesota. Uh, Tim was kind of playing around in the camera well uh, in the dugout, and he had shown one where he was focusing the camera, and another one where he's like raising his hand and whatever. Um, and they made a funny meme about it um, with Raylo's uh, pitching line from that Wednesday night shit show kind of intermingled in there. Um, and I said, that is a high quality meme format replied to them. And then sure enough, not 10, 15 minutes later, uh, they gave me the full three panel one uh, where you could insert what Tim would be looking at in the camera before he raises his hand. So uh, excellent meme format for white Sox Twitter there at Sockside boys. You are my socks on tap. Shout out tonight. Um, that about does it for the show. Once again, White Sox defeat the Royals in the series opener tonight, uh, 11 to 6. That was the final. Uh, it'll be a Friday night affair, 7.05 p.m. Central Time start. Um, that about does it. We gave you all the insight that we have for this one. Uh, make sure you go to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Following us on Twitter, at SoxOnTap and at ontapsportsnet. If you enjoy this podcast, please give us a five-star rating and review wherever you listen. We would really appreciate it. So, Andrew, I think there's only one way we know how to close this thing down. White Sox forever. White Sox forever. Are you a sports card collector? Are you looking to buy or sell your vintage cards? If so, contact Josh over at Midwest Vintage Cards. With over 25 years of experience in the field, Midwest Vintage Cards will pay you cash for your collection. Check out their eBay store by searching Midwest Vintage Cards or follow them on Instagram at Midwest Vintage Cards. Contact Josh at 847-602-8604 or email him at josh at midwestvintagecards.com to get your quote today.